Comforting the Chaos is a podcast by two people who want to do just that, provide comfort in the chaos of a world that does not always like to engage in the uncomfortable, yet necessary conversations that create authentic connection and help us heal from the things that have happened to us and around us. We hope to share what we've learned through our own experiences and continued healing and deep conversations to help others find comfort in the chaos as well. Join us for profound thoughts, dark humor, and attempts to leave the world a little better than we found it. Please remember that this podcast is not a substitute for professional mental health services. And if you require resources, please reach out to a local provider. Hello, and welcome back to Comforting the Chaos. I am one of your hosts, Jackie Palm. And I'm Paola Furman. We're glad you're joining us for episode three where we are going to continue talking about the book What Happened to You by Dr. Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey. We talked a little bit last time about how your brain wants to categorize the things that happened to you, and we talked about how we were loved as children and how that kind of affected us going into adulthood. And so we're going to kind of pick up from there and talk about some more of the key points in the book. And just as a reminder, like this is not a typical book review. So we're not talking about all the specifics of everything that happened within the book. Um, But we are talking about some of the key points that they go over and then how it relates more to us than the examples that they give in the book, because we would really just recommend that you read it because there's a lot of really good content that like it would be impossible for us to cover the (laughs) the whole thing in a couple of episodes and you can really take your own value from what you read if you read it or listen to it or whatever and it's also I think it's free on Kindle Unlimited right now so if you have a subscription to that you can just read it for free which is really that's easy I think that the like awesome part about the book too is that they give you different stories that some of us can relate to in different ways Mm -hmm. so it's nice to to have that to go back to here and there yeah and I think like they the stories that they share like really illustrate the topics that they're trying to like the points that they're trying to make and so even if you can't necessarily like directly relate to it you can see exactly what they're trying like what they're trying to convey to like teach you about trauma basically so we are going to jump into talking about another point that they were making about how the way that we look at trauma so the book is called what happened to you so The point of, like, trauma-informed care is to change the verbiage of, like, when somebody's going through something and you are, like, what's wrong with you Mm. to what happened to you. When you change that verbiage in your head, it makes you look at things a little bit differently with a little bit more empathy and compassion versus taking it personally, which we also have touched on in the last episode as well. So they, when they talk about trauma, they divide it into three parts and they talk about how the event itself is what happens to you. 
And then the experience of like going through it, like what was going on in your body, what was going on in your mind. And then the aftermath. Did you have support afterwards? Did you did you kind of just shut down? <laughs> did you were you able to process it like in a healthier way afterwards? Because like all of those things factor in to how well you're going to handle an event once it occurs. So when you look at those three parts of what happens to you in that course, where like for me, I know that the reason why I have like issues with anxiety, that's like my overarching problem is because I didn't have like stability in handling events of like people who were like my parents were not like emotionally mature in that way to handle their anxiety and then also teach me how to handle anxiety as well so I feel like there's that like that trickle down effect and not that they were like doing it on purpose right but like that they were not able to teach me that so therefore I didn't know how to do it which just in turn made my anxiety worse and now is something that I'm learning how to manage better as an adult. So I would say that my problems, problems, I don't like that word, but like difficulties (laughs) with handling certain situations have stemmed from the fact that I didn't necessarily have someone to kind of like debrief with me. And I think that that situation I might still have anxiety issues even if I did have somebody to debrief with me, but I don't know that they would necessarily be as severe sometimes. It's not my anxiety is not as bad as it used to be, but there's definitely aspects of it that are like, oof. (laughs) Isn't it different how you have to also like try to take into perspective like how your parents didn't know, like kind of like how you didn't know as a child. Mm-hmm. They also didn't know about anxiety. Like, they knew they felt anxiety. Right. But they didn't know like the, like where it comes from, mm-hmm. what, how to handle it and all that. So like for like us as adults to also understand that mm-hmm. it's a little bit, it's like part of the healing process as well. And cope you know try to learn how to cope with the trauma too right you don't know what you don't know Mm -hmm. and so I find that to be one of the most interesting experiences with healing is that like you have these like aha moments of like oh all right so actually when I put these things together this makes like a hell of a lot of sense as to why I have this reaction or feel this way. I know, too, like, I didn't know that anxiety could present itself as anger for a Mm -hmm. while. And we talked a little bit about how my anger shows up sometimes. But, like, even with, like, being, like, triggered by my kids, like, if my kids are being loud, like, there's a reason why I don't do well, like, when they're loud, Right. But what used to happen is that like they would be really loud and I would feel overstimulated. But I didn't have the language to say that like I was overstimulated, but I would feel kind of shaky and my face would feel hot 
because all of this like stuff was like happening in my body to like make that happen. But I was like, why, why am I getting like so amped up about this? In reality for me, it was because like we had to be quiet. Like my dad worked third shift and like, I don't blame him for wanting to sleep during the day, but you can't have two kids that are being children like expected to be quiet all day long in order for you to sleep. But he would get really, really angry (laughs) if you woke him up and he would get angry with my mom and kind of like take it out on her, even though it was like us making the, the choice to be loud. You know what I mean? And so I've realized that like my inner child is like getting super triggered and then I'm getting angry, but it's really just because I'm anxious because I, in that moment, feel unsafe that, like, they're being loud. When in reality, they're totally safe. Because I don't, I myself don't care if they're being loud. Like, they're kids, they're loud, okay, whatever. But that part of me that was taught you can't be loud or you get in trouble is the part that is, like, unhealed in, like, that that nervous system response that's coming up instead. So, like, what I imagine when you say that is, like, I imagine a little girl, like, little girl you in your head mm-hmm. going, like, shh, don't do it. Like, you know, like, be quiet kind of thing. Yeah, like, it's and not the, safe. Like, yeah. don't. Like, you can't. Like, you can't wake the bear, kind of. Like, mm-hmm. you like you need to be really, you need to be really cautious. And I, when I was able to recognize that, then I was able to say, kind of, like, say to myself. And I, I think I... Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I think it sounds a little wonky to people to, like, comfort, like, these parts of yourself, um, which is part of, uh, like, internal family systems theory where, like, you have different parts of you that, like, function to, like, keep you going. But the fact that, like, I feel like I'm able to, like, comfort that inner child part of myself so that when I am getting amped up, I'm, like, no, like, you're okay. They're kids. They're safe. Nobody here is going to get upset. <laughs> like, it's, and it's okay for them to be kids, and you are okay. They're okay. Nobody needs to be angry. And I found that I, that really helps me to, like, not get upset about something that doesn't necessarily require me to be upset because <laughs> just like you got to tell yourself now like you're the adult now right you're making the choices for the little ones now right it makes sense yeah and like you're i know you're just kind of like starting to like explore this kind of stuff like for yourself mm-hmm. in your own journey so do you kind of relate to that at all or do you see like a different part of yourself that I think that for me, like, when we talk about, like, anxiety, for me, it's more I get upset than angry. Mm -hmm. So then I start, you know, losing confidence in myself, and then I get upset. And then, like, it's like when when people are loud, Mm -hmm. for me, it's like when my dad used to get angry when he would drink. Oh, yeah. So, like, for me, it's, like, when when people are drunk around me and they're loud, then if they're, like, yelling at me or, like, just talking loudly to me, it makes me want to cry. Yeah. 
So for me, it's just, it's a lot of like the emotions, like the crying and the sadness. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say necessarily, maybe it is anger and it just comes out in tears. That's something that I still haven't really explored much yeah. of. But I'm more emotional, <laughs> if you say so. It's just, it's almost like it's not even scared. I don't even know how to explain it yet. Yeah. It's like a mixture of emotions. And I and I guess that's what it kind of turns into worse anxiety for me. Yeah. Um. So f for me, I'm still, like, I'm not where you're at with anxiety for sure. And I'm sure you've realized that before. <laughs> but I have my freak out moments a lot. It's getting better for sure. I'm learning how to, like, tell myself not to worry about some things that I cannot change. Mm -hmm. It's not worth it. Mm -hmm. but it's like definitely picking your battles yes like yeah yes it's just some things are just not worth it and can get upset over it i can get angry about it but i can't let myself let go anymore with like kind of get like swallowed up by it yeah or, pretty yeah, much yeah. or let it control me really yeah, yeah yeah so yeah for me it's it's a work in progress but I feel like it's definitely getting better because I'm more aware of it mm -hmm. versus before I was like, what's happening? My brain's going crazy. Right. It's kind of like the movie Inside Out. It's just. I all that's my favorite reference to. Yes. <laughs> yes. That I love that movie. It's like I feel like it's so underrated. It's my mm -hmm. favorite. This is the part where I geek out just a little bit because I I feel like they did such a good representation of like what I think of for like internal family systems mm -hmm. and not necessarily that like your parts are what sadness, disgust, joy, anger, anger fear, fear. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's but, the most alert one in my right? brain or it used to be at least. Uh, but I like, I think that of, of those as like my parts of self, like that, mm -hmm. like I have my angry little inner child and mm -hmm. I have my like critical perfectionist and I have my like empathic caretaker and like all of them are at the control board, but they haven't a hundred percent learned how to work, together. work together yet. And I, but I love that illustration. And I used to like show a clip of that <laughs> in, in group therapy with my patients because I was like this is like the perfect illustration of like what's happening like they have to learn how to work together and if they don't know how to work together and they didn't have any kind of example of how to work together then how would they know they're just gonna they're just going to act separately and the the cohesion that can happen when they do learn to work together or they at least start to work together and realize like hey we all have a hand on the control board. Like, not one person is running this. And, like, we all have a, a place and a purpose. It can make things run so much smoother, I think. Sorry, that was, like, my geek out moment. <laughs> I, like, I knew as soon as you were going to bring up Inside Out, I was going to be like, yes, watch it from a different perspective. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's important because it also, like, relates to the book of, like, what happened to you yes. because then – you see what happens to her and right. why the actions that she takes later on 
lead her to, you know, how the right. movie goes. Um, and I think that that's why it's important because it helps you understand. Yeah. Like for me, I don't have the, the education, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's just me living life and learning as I go kind of mm-hmm. thing, you know, and you are too as well. Yeah. Um, but when you watch something like that, first you didn't understand, like, you're no. like, oh, wait. You know, and so many things like the brain is so. I don't even know. <laughs> it's intriguing. The well, brain is yeah. so like it's so much more than just a brain. Why? Well, well, yeah, and I I feel like I how many things do I like do that with where I'm like, did you notice this when you watched something? Like, what did mm-hmm. that remind you of? Like, because mm-hmm. we did that with Encanto. <laughs> two of like talking about like that how well they illustrated like generational trauma mm-hmm. and so like it's it's different to like look at things through that lens to be like wow like that's a really beautiful lesson to learn and like they illustrate it so well that I think for like a vi- like people who are more like visual learners and kind of like need to put it put it kind of down on paper like that like it's really easy to see it easier to see it when it's illustrated like the way that some of those some of those movies do and it's not just a movie to entertain our children but also the movie for us to (laughs) think a little bit more into it so i think that's a plus do we overanalyze it a little bit maybe Mm. but like (laughs) but i but i feel like it like turns into such like a a tangible example of what we're talking about though too and you know hopefully if our kiddos are learning that then they don't have to put together all these pieces later (laughs) yeah those are samples we can use to also teach them right which is the point of the movie right or movies but yeah which like we didn't have those movies growing up we had like everyone's falling in love everyone needed like their the prince to rescue them and like their parent died like some awful death right in the beginning. <laughs> well, <laughs> start to get worse. <laughs> Should have used that. Uh, all right, all right <laughs> let's go. <ahead. laughs> but says <laughs> so, so, so Jackie. So I so I feel like the going through the healing experience and kind of like when you learn more about your trauma and everything. I find it fascinating. Like you were saying that like, you know, it's amazing everything that your brain does. Mm -hmm. It is amazing everything that your brain does. And then it's amazing how your, the lens through which you look at the world changes because I think there's a certain part of trauma. I think there's a certain part of, like when you go through severe depression, which I definitely did go through that, (laughs) that like you feel hopeless and you feel kind of victimized and you don't feel like you're in control of your life, your choices, your decisions, like you feel kind of powerless. And that's not true, but your brain because based on the experiences that you've gone through, you feel like it's true. And then to to go off of that, depending on what you've seen, how how you've seen other people in your life react to those situations, you are going to 
maybe kind of, I and I feel like this can go either way, right? Like you can either see how somebody else handles something difficult and be like, okay, I guess that's how I'm supposed to handle it. Or you can watch how they go through it and then be like, mm, yep. I don't think that that's the way that I want to do it. So when you think of like your anxiety, like starting starting to like look into those things for yourself, mm-hmm. do you, and we talked a little bit about this last time, I think, but because like how we were loved and, and how that was demonstrated to us. When you like look outside of that to your parents or like other caregivers, adults that you had in your life, because you had a couple different people that mm-hmm. were taking care of you at different points. Do you feel like you watch those situations and then how do you th- watch them deal with difficult things? And then how do you think you like learned from that in a way, I guess? I mean, if we start, my dad and alcohol. Right. So for my father, it was to deal with alcohol. So mm-hmm. that's a start. I, You know what I mean? To I, like for watch me, somebody's relationship with yeah, alcohol. Yeah, with addiction. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's one. Also with, I've seen some people keep their feelings tucked away mm-hmm. where they don't want to show emotion. So that's another way because then I feel like it makes them resentful. Um, I've seen that and then I've seen people handle it in like an angry way, mm-hmm. abusive almost Yeah. Um, kind of way to deal with that. I've seen my mother handle it in ups, like upsetting kind of like, and I think that's where I get it from. The, the, like emotional, the emotional reaction. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I, I think it's her handling things in an emotional way. And and then I that's what I see now. Yeah. Like for me, it's just I learned from seeing those kinds of emotions, or f- seeing them handling it that way. That sometimes I tell myself like, that's not healthy. That they handled it, or the way that you feel like you're handling it. Uh, both I will say. Yeah. Um, I mean now it's getting better for sure. Like yeah. I said, I'm learning to tell myself, hey, like. It's not worth it. Not saying that is every time. It depends on what the situation oh, yeah, as well. Because there's some that I'm like, I don't even know how to tell myself to like calm down and relax, which terrible choices of words, really. For me, at least. Well, yeah. For me, it's more like, hey, like dissect the whole situation. Think about you freaking out. It's It's okay. Yeah. But... It's no, it's not going to help. Right. You know, like allow yourself to deal with this for a little bit this way. Be sad, be, you know, angry if you need to. Mm -hmm. But, and it's more like, I don't want to say get to work, but it's more like, hey, let's start making actions. Like you give yourself the space to feel what you need to feel, but you don't want to like let yourself fall completely down into it. Because I've been there. Yeah. I would never, you know. Yeah. And like it didn't feel good. Yeah. And I noticed that there's times that I, I have gotten upset or stressed out so much that I become so anxious that it's like I'm I'm numb or I like I'm I'm I can't even work. Right. My right. body feels it. 
Yeah. So I'm like, that hasn't really done anything for me. Right. Um, It hasn't worked in any good way. So, like, I'm learning how to cope with it. Yeah. In different ways, in more healthier ways. Yeah. But I've seen, like I said before, so many different ways that people handle this that right. I can tell like I wouldn't want to go there like it's like those things where you say I don't want to be like that and I don't it's not offensive yeah. and I'm sorry you know like right, but right, I just don't right. want to be like that right when I think I th- I think you bring up a good point too because not everybody is exposed to multiple caregivers mm-hmm. and I would I would assume but also be like and I would be curious about the fact that like I wonder if seeing so many people handle things so differently would mm-hmm. also make it really hard for you to figure out how to handle it because there wasn't any set example and nobody really looked like they were benefiting much from however they were picking to to handle it. So then I feel like it would almost kind of make you feel a little bit more lost to be like, oh, <laughs> For sure, because <laughs> I had people that were like, I'm strong. I got this, you know? Yeah. And then I had people that just were broken. Yeah. Because of, you know, everything going on. I, I, I feel like that's why a lot of times I say, like, I don't know sometimes my complete personality yet. And it's something yeah. that I'm finding out about myself little by little of who I am. Yeah. Completely, because... It's like you go through life learning little things oh, by yeah. different people, you know? Yeah, yeah. And for me, I don't know. I I don't know, like, who I am completely. And well, and I won't know because I'm no. still learning. Right. And, like, when, when you have things that disrupt your most formative years, how are you supposed to figure out who you are? Because technically... In child development, right, you technically, while you're little, are supposed to have all this room to flail your arms about looking for boundaries. And then they're supposed to be safe people there that, like, help you learn how to set boundaries and, like, help you learn how to handle things and cope with things. And then when you hit, like, puberty and, like, being a teenager and stuff, they, they call it differentiation. Like, that's... A lot of times, like, why teenagers will be like, I know everything and you know nothing. And, like, I'm because they're trying to find themselves and they're trying to figure out who they are separate from their family because, uh, like, a good chunk of your childhood is, like, whoever has my back and, like, that person is there to solve my problems for me and, like, they're there to help me do it. And then they get to this point where they're starting to grow up. And they're like, I need to figure this out on my own. So, like, that part of that, like, rebellious teenage stage, like, it's super normal. It's developmentally appropriate. Of course, like, there's always extreme situations. So, like, I'm not talking about, like, people, like, running away and, like, making poor choices and stuff like that. I'm talking about, like, the, the normal, like, you're never right. I know everything and I'm, like, 14 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that's normal. And the... What happens is, is when you have stuff happen to you that is difficult when you are younger, you grow up faster. And I 
well, I like I say to myself sometimes, like I feel like I'm going through that differentiation phase now at 34 as opposed to when I was a teenager because I was too worried about like managing everybody else's emotions and like trying to like navigate that I didn't really have a safe place to like figure out who I am and not only that be secure <laughs> in who I am and I relate to that yeah, for sure yeah I feel like I, I never felt safe enough even though like I wouldn't say that I didn't feel loved right um there were times I definitely felt loved Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel like I had that safety net to fall on to if right. something went wrong. Right. So it's like I had to look out for myself. Right. And I felt the same way with my brother. I felt like I had to look out for him as well. Mm-hmm. So which is what you like part of me had to like grow up. I had mm-hmm. to grow up faster in a way, which also limits to me finding myself yes again yeah makes sense Uh aha moment (laughs) 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 but i mean that like yeah it uh, and that's one of those things where like when you are going through this and like trying to like find out things about yourself like those are the kind of things that happen that i think make the experience like the very uncomfortable experience of like delving into this stuff click and then you're like oh okay like I think I've been putting a little bit too much pressure on myself to like feel like I'm supposed to have it all figured out while like disregarding all of the things that were in the way to like allow me to do this in in a safe appropriate way when it was developmentally appropriate you know what I mean? But we. this is us going, like, I'm going to go back to that second yeah. episode when you talked about the filing cabinets. Oh, yeah. And the filing room. Yeah. It's a lot of that we go through life, putting all those files mm-hmm. away. And it's like, oh, we got to put it away. We got to go to the next part. Right. Um. It's almost like we're writing this whole book. Yeah. Of life. <laughs> right. And, you know, we, okay, we can't keep, you know, talking about, you're 14 like we gotta put it away because it's gone like we're done it's kind of like how i feel yeah like with life yeah like a lot of things i was like oh no no more time we gotta put it away and i feel like that still happens to me now oh yeah where like i'm like oh i'm getting older oh my god i can't do this because let's put it away no right you know yeah and i think that is even more I don't like the word normal, but uh, like for lack of a better term, I feel like it's it's the norm is to be like, okay, when you're in your 20s, like that's probably when you find yourself. Okay, like you're you're going you're going to school, you're making career decisions, whatever, like you're finding a relationship like, you know, you're doing all that stuff. And then when you hit like 30, that's when you really know yourself. And that's when everything is calm. (laughs) And and you're going to bring children into the world if you haven't already. And like you're going to, you know, have the house with a white picket fence and you will have it all figured out. Everything is fine. The reality is, Mm -hmm. is that nobody has it all (laughs) figured out. And everybody's still working on stuff. So, like, we've, like, made these, like, weird, like, societal benchmarks that aren't 
like it's not comprehensive it's not for everyone like not Mm -hmm. everyone meets the benchmark at the same time and like what the hell is the benchmark for like why are we so fixated on like meeting these these points without giving credit to all of the things that happen to you to you that keep you from meeting these weird expectations that aren't they are to me they aren't necessarily that important my thing is though like that's the importance of learning about trauma yes because i think that that's like there's so much more than just the word trauma yes like and that's what a lot of us don't realize until we dive more into it kind of like what we're well at least for me what i'm going through right now yeah um yeah it's a little bit more detailed than that yeah yeah and and like that's another reason and we'll probably say it multiple times throughout you know every episode this is why this is so important to us because Mm -hmm. the things that it's made us realize and the things that we've learned about ourselves learned about our families and and we're still learning and we're still learning and like it's it's like a lifelong learning process because Mm -hmm. the thing is is that things are going to continue to happen and like you may not have ever seen somebody deal with this stuff appropriately like you've seen other people deal with things but like you don't know how you want to deal with it yourself and so like you're always going to be learning because the situation isn't the same the 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 characters aren't the same in every story the personalities aren't the same of all the people all of all the characters in the story like you have to like all of this stuff to navigate so there's not like this like clear roadmap of like exactly what you're supposed to do and i think when you realize that like everybody's winging it I think it's, that's when it's, it's a lot less pressure. <laughs> and that makes it like that's such a good point because it also like relates to like learning the trauma that happened with your parents and then yes. before your parents and then yes. it could, you know as like, far as you can go generational yeah. like it's so much more for us to dive into and then it's so many more emotions which can also cause different traumas to yeah. come along. Yeah. But um, but it also helps understand. Right. And, and and I think it brings a little bit more peace to me to know why certain people act the way they do in my family or, you know, friends of mine or yeah. anything. Because it just, it, it makes sense. Yeah. And we, I, and we had referenced that in episode two a little bit as well. Like, you can't, it's very eye-opening to learn the reason why people are the way they are, why, why they behave the way they behave, why they... Um, have the reactions that they have it's not an excuse for Mm -hmm. abusive behavior or for them to be abusive towards you or even towards themselves right but Mm -hmm. like it gives you this like much broader picture Mm -hmm. where you can have some understanding but that doesn't mean that you have to accept it, which I think I did say in in the second episode, too. But I feel like it's that's worth reiterating. <laughs> it's like a respectful understanding. In yeah. A way. Um, and it's more like an understanding for us in our heads than anything than for us to accept. Right. In a way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yes. Because I think 
and I mean, maybe not everybody will agree with this, but I, I feel like with trauma in general and I think maybe even just like culturally, we're taught very like black and white thinking in a lot of ways. So like it either has to be this way or it has to be this way. Like it cannot be anything else except for this or that. And we like forget that there's this entire area in the middle because I think most of life is gray not black and white. And so like when we are like learning how to deal with situations, like, no, there's not like one perfect method of like how to go through it because each person is different. (laughs) And I'm going to, I'm going to reference back to inside out. I'm so sorry, but like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Please don't ever apologize for referencing Inside Out in front of me. But if you haven't watched the movie, you should go watch it. But there's a point where you learn that in order sometimes to feel joy, sometimes you have to feel the sadness. Yes. And that's part of like where you say that black and white and that gray. Yes. It's like how some parts of your brain have to work together yes. in order for you to feel a certain emotion. Right. So, you know, like, I'm trying to put, like, another, like, disgust and anger or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like. But, but because you can be sad and happy. Yes. You can be angry and you can be sad. You can be excited and you can be scared. Mm-hmm. And, like, all of those things can happen at the same time. And I feel like it's funneled to us that, like. You can only feel one, but in reality, you feel multiple things. And I think that's also part of what leads to anxiety, too. Yes. Because then you don't know, like, oh, I can't, I can't feel this way. Like, oh, no. Like, you know? Because you put this, like, weird pressure on yourself to, like, be like, well, wait, I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have, like, acted in this way. And, like, you're just constantly, like, in your head. And I think you had said earlier, like, it's kind of exhausting being Mm. anxious. I, I... I don't think people get enough credit for the fact that like anxiety is exhausting because you're Very. you're on high alert most of the time. You're thinking about things constantly. Like I feel like I have a million thoughts going through my head all the time. And like when somebody tells me like you know, like if I ask my husband like what are you thinking about and he's like nothing. I'm like <laughs> what? It's funny you say that. Um <laughs> Talking to my therapist, that was actually one of the conversations last week. Oh, yeah. Um, About how he he said, do you, he said something about, like, do you think a lot? And I said, all the time. My brain is exhausted. Like, all it does is think. <laughs> like, I wake up at four in the morning and I'm thinking, did I forget to do this? Did I do that? Why did I do that? And it's like. My brain could just be quiet and I could just fall right back to sleep. That's what I wish happened. But it's getting better. I'm telling him and he's looking at me like, okay. You know, but like, it's just like, I'm not the only one. No, you are not. (laughs) Can't affirm there is at least one other person who feels that way. And it's me. (laughs) 
but no. But then we go back to also a lot of my anxiety comes from my perfectionism. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I groan because yeah, yes. And that's another thing I'm learning how to. This is the thing. I have perfectionism because, at least for me, I have moved around so many places. And I, and this is what I we just talked about yeah. and I just learned. I didn't live with my mom. So for me, everywhere I went, I wanted to be kept. I don't want anybody to be like, Paola has to go. Yeah. So I always try to do things perfectly. I always try to clean up and make sure I did all the chores and make sure I had straight A's. You know, mm-hmm. I, I did everything I was supposed to do. And, and and that's something that now as an adult, sometimes I can't keep up with that. Especially now that I have children. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with it every day. Yes. Which is something else that I'm learning to deal with when it comes to my anxiety over not having the perfectionism that I used to be able to at least feel like I had. Mm-hmm. And I think when you are healing from childhood trauma and you have kids, mm. <laughs> I, I, I think it's exceptionally hard because then you, and, and we talked about this a little bit last time about like the kind of like overcompensating a little bit with them, but like it's, it's exhausting because you are trying not to traumatize your own children while healing from your own stuff and like making sure that you're doing everything the right way for them. And I think it's super easy to get caught in this like perfectionist trap of motherhood, parenthood in general, in order to like create these like perfectly healthy, well-balanced people and I don't know how realistic that is because we can't shield them from everyone else. Like we can only we can't give do that them, for ourselves. Give them skills. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like we can't even do that for ourselves. Right. You know, right? So, like, how are we expected to do it for them as well, or for them to have that? Like, we can only do so much. Correct. Um, and then you forgot the one part too. There's also people around us that sometimes need us in their healing process. Yes. Um, and it's not just our children. No. So that's another thing that like also puts that like heaviness on you sometimes. And I don't want to say heaviness. It, it's another thing that puts that extra pressure. Yeah. Because it's not it's not a burden. Like I no. never want people to think that they're like a burden to me or that like I don't enjoy being a mother or a partner. Um, or a friend or a friend or, yeah. or whatever the case may be like i don't feel like that's burdensome but you want i i say you i want <laughs> to make sure that like i am saying exactly what i need to to like make sure that i'm like validating and listening and like actively listening to someone and and I think that like it's okay to not always say the right thing necessarily like even though you're trying to say the right thing and do the right thing like you 
not saying everything perfectly all of the time because you also are going through your own stuff doesn't like diminish the fact that you're like there for somebody else you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i like i don't want anybody to ever feel like they're a burden like i said because like i want to have space for people and you know there's a there's a certain level that like you have to have boundaries with people because you can't be that person to everyone but you're right there are people that are vital in your life that you're going to be there i think that it is important to be there and it's also important to learn how to also have the boundaries to tell people sometimes that you not that you can't be there I think that's, I think that is it though. I can't, you can't so bad. be there. I know. <laughs> Sometimes you have to let people know that you are not in the right mind or no. You're not Sometimes, in the right space. Sometimes you have to let people know you're not in the right space to help. Right. Sometimes you can even listen because of where you are right and it's okay and you can still care about people and love them yes and not be able to be there for them in that capacity and that's something i'm learning how to do and also how to accept yes and it's hard because i'm always a people pleaser as well Mm -hmm. there's so many things you guys are learning about me today (laughs) But I'm also a people pleaser, so for me, it's really hard to say no to people when it comes to, like, helping. You've gotten so much better. I'm trying. You've done so much better at saying no. I'm working on it. You are. Sometimes I I have relapses, but... (laughs) But I think, like, but that's the the same thing as we were talking about earlier, though. Like, you, you don't have to be perfect with it like it's not about like perfectly handling mm-hmm. every situation all of the time it's the fact that like yeah you might mess up but you can say hey actually what I meant was and hey I I did say yes to this and I'm not sure why like I think I said that to make you happy and the truth is I don't have space right now. I don't have time. I'm struggling with that. And right. I'll be honest, that's part of also learning to love myself. Oh, yeah. Um, which that's another thing you guys learn about me. I struggle so much with loving myself through lots, I would say, teenage years, 20s, even the 30s. And I'm now just learning how important I am to me. Yes. Yeah, no. Learning to love myself, it's it's a struggle. But for all those people that I keep trying to please, mm-hmm. I'm learning that I need to be taking care of me first in order for me to be able to help them as well. Right. So even that, I'm taking it in a non-selfish way <laughs> to work on myself. Yeah. There's so many things that eventually we're going to talk about in so many other episodes. Yeah. I 
in in relation because like you were talking like we were talking about how like you've you had multiple caregivers that kind of influenced Mm -hmm. how you handle things I had multiple people in my life that like I that I spent time with but Mm -hmm. didn't spend like I didn't live with anybody else except for my parents Mm -hmm. and I think that I learned a lot of my people pleasing from my mom because she you know my dad was abusive on multiple levels like physically emotionally mentally and there were certain things that you had to do my mom referred to it as like playing the game with him which like is so triggering to me so like anytime anybody uses that phrase I'm like I don't like it because it's like not authentic but that like we would just like coddle my dad and be like, yep, you're always right. Like, I am dumb. Like enabling. <laughs> like totally enabling. And like, I mean, he would say awful things and like, you know, twist your words and make you feel like you were crazy because that's what like narcissistic abuse is like. And you wouldn't know what you said by the time, like, it would have been, like, this whole, like, he played that, um, like, whisper down the lane, like, with himself (laughs) the whole time to be, like, you said this? And I'm, like, I don't think I did, but maybe I did? Like, I don't know. And there was a certain point where, like, you would get to where you, like, you knew for sure you didn't say it. And then you're, like, well, wait a second. (laughs) And you couldn't call him out on it because it would make things so much worse. Like he could not be wrong. He could not be wrong. You could not tell him you were upset with him. Like you could not tell him that he had a single flaw or he would be like, oh, I guess I'm just the worst person in the world. Oh, I guess you just have it worse than anybody else. Like it would like just gaslight, 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 gaslight before I had the word for like what... (laughs) what that was and so my mom would be like she would like take you aside or like talk to you later and be like you know you were right and that's all that matters but the problem is is that when you have somebody tell you how stupid you are over and over again no matter how like no matter how much you privately tell yourself that when you're in your room crying after everything has happened you will kind of be like but am I maybe? Am I maybe dumb? <laughs> and it's literally just him, how he thought, I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but how stupid he thought he, you were. Yes. Not how stupid you were, but how he thought you were stupid. Right. Because because it was, because it, it was a lack of compliance mm-hmm. and a lack of like. It's not his smart. Build me up. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't what he right. wanted you to be. And the fact of the matter is, is that I think sometimes I said things that made too much sense. And for him, he didn't like that because I was making a point. And it challenged his intelligence. It challenged his his reactions. And because there was zero accountability on his end from like an emotional maturity standpoint, there's no way that that was going to fly. So like he would he would flip the switch and like just turn it around on you all the time and that affected me because like I was like okay well you know I guess it's better to walk on eggshells with people and there were so many times in my life that like 
I feel like I like played the fence with people. Somebody would say like, because you know, like in like your teenage years, like early twenties, like everybody's like gossipy about whatever. And I feel like somebody would say something about someone, and I'd be like, oh yeah. And then the other person would say something about that person. And I would be like, oh yeah. And then here I am. I don't feel any particular way <laughs> about it. But like I've now like validated both mm-hmm. people on both sides when I don't actually care about it. And that pissed people off. And I get why it did. And and I, I didn't make great friends that way. <laughs> but I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know that I could have my own opinion mm. about stuff and then when I did have an opinion about some things people if people didn't agree with me then I assumed I was wrong hmm. it makes me think about like um because it wasn't an honest friendship yeah I like it wasn't honest on my part and I don't think it was like honest mm-hmm. on other people's parts either because like I think too many people were concerned about like what they what they wanted to make it seem like right like the what they wanted to make it seem like they were and i think for me and and like they they talk about this in the book too like figuring out who you actually want to be like when you're healing like you were saying mm-hmm. earlier like trying to like figure out who you are having an idea of like who you actually even want to end up being Mm -hmm. because like from this from this like fence like middle ground person and I wouldn't even say I'm not middle ground person but like this person that I was that didn't know who I was didn't know how I felt and would just kind of mold myself to like whatever people wanted me to be Mm -hmm. I had people that when I figured out that, like, being sarcastic, like, made people laugh and, mm. like, made them feel a connection with me, like, think that I was, like, funny, even though it was, like, a little bit mean, I was like, all right, well, then, like, now that's my persona. But I'm not, I don't really like being mean, you know what I mean? Like, and, like, I don't, and, like, I don't like having that, like, touch of, like, harshness to like humor or whatever like there's a way to be funny without like taking a stab at other people's weaknesses or whatever but because that got a response from people Mm -hmm. I feel and I like wanted to be accepted and didn't really know who I was or like whatever I was like oh okay well then I'll run with it like I'll Hmm. I'll do that. And I feel like it like became part of my personality, but it wasn't really like the true me. And so I think like now, not just now, but like over like the past couple of years, I've kind of been like, well, who do I want to be? And then who do I want around me? And not just focusing in on like trying to like figure out exactly like who I am, but like what what are the things that I actually value? What are the things that that I I learned that like I definitely don't want? And sometimes I feel like that's like almost an easier place to start sometimes when you like know what didn't work. And so that for for me that that middle of the road person, that fence riding person is mm-hmm. not who I wanted to be. That's not me. So for me, I f- feel like I have 
wanted to embrace authenticity, which like involves like being parts of myself that not necessarily I don't feel like I was like forthcoming with with everyone or that other people the, agreed with or that other people agree with because I'm so worried about like what will other people think mm-hmm. if they know that this is how I feel about this mm-hmm. or whatever and like just not saying how I really felt and that it creates tension like within myself because I don't like not being honest right but then like also realizing that like if I'm my authentic self and someone doesn't like it, <laughs> why do I have them in my life? And, like, how valuable is that relationship to me? Because, like, I value people for who they mm-hmm. are. And if you're having a hard, like, if, if there's some, some core part of me that you're like, I don't like that, then, like, why are we wasting energy on, like, having a relationship. You know what I mean? And like that, they're permanently in your life. Right. They have to accept you as you are. Right. Completely. Yeah. Not like no exceptions. Mm-hmm. Like you don't get to say, I love all of these things about you, except whatever. Because like that to me, like, okay, well you can't pick and choose the parts of me that benefit you the most. And that's why you, love it like you can't love the parts of me that agree with you and then get upset about the parts that don't like people please you (laughs) Mm. I can see what you're saying there not and I still struggle with that though yeah not and I'm not saying that like I want to like surround myself with yes men Mm. right like I don't necessarily need people to Agree with every single thing I say all the time and be like, you're right. No, but you want them to say, hey, this is coming from a place of love. (laughs) But and then even if you say, well, I still don't like it, then that's fine. Right. We move on. Right. And like I, I like someone can disagree with you and you can respect where they're coming from. I think that's kind of like you and me. Yeah. Some things we disagree on. Right. We're like, I'm like, I'm just telling you, you know, from a place of love. But like, it's fine. Like, it doesn't matter. Right. You know, like, it is what it is. Like, it just. It's not like friendship ending Mm -hmm. stuff. Like, it's not like. It's not even an argument. Right. Right. It's It's just just saying like, like, hey, I think maybe you could do this and you can say no. And Mm. then. And then you move on. But I think there are some people that think that, like, they're telling you the absolute right way to do it because that's what they would do. Mm -hmm. And if you don't follow through with it, then, like, you're an idiot. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's not true. (laughs) It's just that, like, not every situation works for everyone. And, like, that's part of, like, looking at life through a trauma-informed lens is realizing that not every single person is going to benefit from exactly the same situation. Cause like, even when you and I like talk about like therapy stuff, I'm like, well, Hey, like this is what worked for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it will work exactly the same for you. Mm-hmm. Here's my experience with it. Just so that you have a, have an experience of like someone's personal experience to like go off of, mm-hmm. but I'm not a hundred, like, I don't know, maybe it will work for you. I'm not sure. And like leaving that like open, ended or whatever versus being like oh 
she doesn't think that's going to work for her. Well, then, like, her. that's, like, well, yeah, and that's ridiculous. Like, I mean, I've seen people in my life <laughs> react that way, that, like, you agree or you don't, or, like, you don't have a relationship. And I watched, I watched my parents do that, too. Like, they, I mean, they would get into, like, one disagreement with people. And I don't even know... Because I was a kid, so, like, I don't even know, like, what the disagreement would Mm -hmm. be. And we wouldn't talk to that person for years. Mm -hmm. And I was always kind of like, like, what happened? And then, like, you'd overhear bits and pieces, and I would be like, was it really that crazy? Or, like, did someone, like, hit a nerve and, like, because... And then you're like, you can't handle that or whatever. And, yeah, so I think, like, so... I I just I really value authenticity. I value communication and not just communication. I value comprehension <laughs> of what I'm trying to communicate and like what other people are trying to communicate. Like I want to make sure that we're like hearing each other and like on the same page, like we're not like mishearing each other. And, like, I value intentionality, um, which is why, like, I always say that, like, I'm a kind person. I'm not a nice person because, Mm -hmm. like, a nice person – like, I feel like niceness is very easy to kind of fake and just be like, ha, 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 like, you know. Mm -hmm. know, Like, we talked about before, like, the hey, how are you thing and, like, not really meaning it or whatever. Like, that to me is, like, niceness. Like, you're not, like – ignoring someone and you're not being like purposefully rude but you're just like putting these like filler things in whereas like to me I prefer to be a kind person because I feel like kindness takes intentionality and thought and goes a little deeper than like just being nice and you you know like those are the things that that have really been coming to the forefront for me that I that I really value and like being able to be myself feel more comfortable with myself I would say you know like feeling more comfortable like with my body like my my physical appearance like that's been something that has been really important to me and like who I want to be is a person that is genuine and is trying and is able to admit when they're wrong and is willing to talk about it and willing to take like accountability ownership of my mistakes because I'm going to make mistakes mm-hmm. <laughs> and then to not hide what I'm what I'm passionate about and and that is that's something that I'm trying to like embrace and like be okay with daily. I feel like I say like what you are talking about is what other people also refer to as like maturing, to be honest with you as well. Like yeah. parts of it. Yeah. Um, because I think that the older I get, the more, the more honest relationships I want to have. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't want to, I don't want to say waste my time, but I want to use my time more per- purposely yeah uh, i want to be able to say there was worth in this like um, they like you don't feel like you're expending energy in a place where like it's not where 
It's a nice place, but not a kind place. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, you know, like I, I wanted to be honest. Yeah. Like I wanted to come from a place of love, like you say. Right. You know, I, I, I'm learning that as I go. Yeah. And that's one thing that I'm also trying to do myself. Um, you know, give people those honest moments and feelings and things like that yeah myself um and and that's part of me also finding myself yeah is that i'm able to give people the true me or the complete me the right. honest me right and that hopefully they see that and also do the same for me as well right i i think that that will be like more of a smoother surrounding for myself yeah I don't want to say that, like, I'm blocking people out that I don't need. I'm just also realizing, like, it's okay to not have them all the time. And I'm, like, again, it's things as I go. Like, I just want to have, like, life is not going to be full of happy, positive situations. Not all the time, no. Um, But that's something that, like... That's kind of like what I want my world to be like. Just, I know I can get through this purposely, honestly. And that there will be happy moments and sad moments. And, yeah. like, you want people that can be there for the happy moments and the sad moments mm -hmm. in the same capacity that they are mm -hmm. for each. And, I, like, I think... I know my circle has gotten smaller, like my social Same. circle. And I used to be really uncomfortable with that. You know that because I used to <laughs> talk about it a lot and be very focused on it. And then I think like I just had like a very eye-opening moment to be like, wait a second. Like why does it matter like how big my circle is if it's full of of people that aren't necessarily like don't necessarily value me and to be honest I don't necessarily value all aspects of them like they just kind of feel like placeholders sometimes because I I have lost a lot of important people in my life and so then I'm trying to hang on to anybody that's been there for a while and I don't think that was really healthy for me and not for them either because I'm not being genuine and it's not genuine. You know what I mean? And so I think that's been a hard part of like finding my like authentic self kind of is like realizing like it gets a little lonely before it it isn't lonely mm. <laughs> anymore. And and like I and I've said before, like I'm fine with having three friends <laughs> I have more than three friends but like I like I am fine with like having only like a close intimate relationship with like a couple of people versus like feeling like I need to have a bunch always something to do with somebody yeah, yeah I know I feel like that's that's something that's changing as I get older and I don't know if it's age I am tired all if, the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's age or I don't know if it's actually like growth mentally. Probably um, both. Yeah, probably. Experiences. But I feel like the few people that I have 
you know, now it's important because even through my bad, like, you know, I'm told, hey, I don't agree with that, but it's okay. I'm here. Right. You know, and that's important. Not everyone can give you that. No. And that's one thing that I'm learning. Like I said, as I get older. Because you're, because you're so old. (laughs) 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 Maybe. Maybe not. But anyways. But yeah, so I, I don't know. I, like, I agree with you. I think, I think it's both. Like, I think it, it's really been for me, like, it's been about like where I want to spend my energy and I want to spend my energy on people that are spending their energy like equally like I don't Mm -hmm. feel like it should be like 50 50 split like I feel like it should be 100 100 and then like Mm -hmm. you are able to like be there and and like I and I would even say like it's hard when like because I think you had pointed it out earlier like it's hard to be there for people like when you're also going through something but I will say like we've both had a a difficult year (laughs) in different aspects but like I haven't felt like I have I haven't ever felt like I haven't been able to handle your stuff but remember there's times that we have both both learned to ask are you okay to listen right now yes which makes all the difference we learned that yes Yes. Um, I think that's one, what I was saying earlier. Like, yeah. That's something that we're learning yes. as we go, too. Yeah. Um, sometimes I just call and I'm like, oh, this happened today, blah, blah, blah. And then I stop myself and I ask you and I'm like, hey, are you okay to listen to me right now? Because it depends, you know. Right. If you had a bad day and then I'm on top of it, I had a bad day and I'm dumping my bad day on you. Like, I don't just want to make your day even worse because yeah. even though we say... We won't take it on. It's still, well when you care uh, like, about people, it's hard not to like also be sad. Like when someone you love is also mm-hmm. sad. So I bet like I mean, and I I do think that that is important, and I think that that's like part of that like authentic like connection with people is that I need to feel like I would have permission to say I don't have space for that right now. And if I feel like people are going to get offended because I don't have space, I question that because like, what is my, what is my purpose in this relationship? Like, am, do I only have value to you if you're able to dump on me? Mm-hmm. Because if that's true, I, I can't, I can't do it. Like I can't, like, I can be very upfront and be like, I can't just be a dumping ground. Like, I have to be able to say, no, I can't do that. Which I think, like, at least, like, for me with you, it makes it easier because I know that I could tell you that. I haven't needed to tell you that. But, like, I feel like if I did say, hey, not today, I can you, respect that. Like you would respect it. And I and I feel like that's really important. And so like that I feel like is like not only like within myself, like that's kind of like what I'm looking at from other people now too, because I had unsafe relationships where people like take way too much advantage, like 
um, you know, my parents especially. So, like, I need to make sure that, like, there's, like, equal give and take so I don't fall into, like, a people-pleasy middle ground trap thing again. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's important. I have... I know that my friend Jen, we've been friends for over 14 years. Mm -hmm. And that's someone that we also have grown with in different ways. So the one thing with my friends now (laughs) is they're both very honest with me. But then they're also there. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like, let let me tell you this. And then I don't like it. Goodbye. Right. It's like, hey, listen, (laughs) you got to do this. We we suggest you do this differently. <laughs> There's some it's accountability. Not out. Yes, in but a respectful it's, it's okay. way. Yeah. yeah, and if you like it, you like it. You know, and I think that that's important. Like for me, that's so important to have. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 that's what I want to be surrounded by. Yeah, when it comes to like friends, you know, everyone around me, and like I feel like that's part of why this is also like important for me to like be on this podcast Mm -hmm. because i i I hope everyone has genuine like honest connection with people yeah and that you know i feel like i'm also helping other people understand to have that as well yeah and and i think it helps and i think it's not a big change it's one small change at a time because i think we make it more complicated than it actually needs to be and it and there's a certain element of safety right Mm -hmm. with that but I think to have genuine connections with people where you're like straightforward and honest and you say what you mean and mean what you say it's actually not hard right Mm -hmm. like it's hard in the sense that like you need to feel safe you need to trust someone so like you should not be like dumping all of your things on Mm-hmm. someone you just met or like stranger on the street or whatever like you need to make sure that it's like a safe person to be like sharing with but like I feel like that's part of the when you figure out who you want to be and who you are and like the innate parts of yourself mm-hmm. that maybe you've like kept hidden because of whatever that has like stifled you kind of then you realize like who you want to also surround mm-hmm. yourself with and it doesn't mean that everybody has to be the same as you but it does mean that people have to like put forth the same amount of effort I like I want people that are (laughs) self-aware I like deep discussions so Mm -hmm. like if it's only ever going to be surfacey stuff I'm me like that's not where I'm at right now Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and so like I think that's one of the things that too that like I I also very much like hope to convey is that like we're missing out on having like really deep genuine connections with people because we're very much like in our own heads or thinking that things have to be a certain way or that we have to appear a certain way to other people and it's not really true like it's all kind of made up mm-hmm. <laughs> and and like I was saying earlier like the standards are odd. Like, I'm not really 100% sure, like, how, you know, like, these, like, benchmarks got set to begin with. So, like, when we realize that every there's kind of, like, a, a flux with everything, that, mm-hmm. like, you know, maybe we could all have a little less pressure on ourselves and be able to be kinder to ourselves, be kinder to other people, 
and and that's like the whole point of this that's that's the whole point of of the book and so I know like we didn't get into like great detail with like the the stories that they talk about and and things like that but we really did touch on pretty much all of the 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 key topics that are within it I I would say my biggest takeaway from the book is the fact that it is so comprehensive and that it makes you realize that these things are important and that these conversations that you can have with people are uncomfortable. It's a little bit uncomfortable to think of things in a different way. You are changing the way that you think when you are thinking of things through a trauma-informed lens, and I think that that's really hard. I do think that that Mm -hmm. it is difficult to change the way that you're thinking. But once you start doing it, you start to see it everywhere. Like I was saying earlier, like even like, you know, the lens that you look at a movie through or a book or or, you know, other people's interactions or whatever. It it just gives you this like place of understanding and compassion for other people that I think we're very much lacking in the world these days like we're very quick to judge people but like where does that is that judgment coming from a place that also has room for understanding um we're going to judge right because our brain wants to categorize things like we were saying you know Mm -hmm. in the second episode but are we able to do it in a compassionate way with room to grow and I think that that is I think I think the world could really, like, it sounds cheesy, but I really do think that, like, the world could be a much better place, a much safer place if people looked at people through a lens to say, what happened to you? How can I listen? How can I be more understanding? How can I... Like, how can I walk in somebody else's shoes and have this experience to try and understand them versus just going based off of, like, what I would do in this situation, what I would feel in this situation, what I would think, because everybody's support is different. Everybody's resilience is different. Everybody's capacity for, you know, like, wherever they're at, like, it's it's going to be different. So we have to take that stuff into account and realize that, like, not everybody fits into this cookie cutter thing of, like, what they're supposed to be. And, like, everybody has a has a story and a story that makes them who they are and is something that you can learn from, I think. I think that the world will be a better place if we all learn to work on ourselves a little bit more. Because yes. I think we all got work to do. We I, work on our yes. houses. We work at our jobs. You know, we work on getting better on things, you know, at things as we grow. Yes. And we don't work on getting better for ourselves in a way mentally. No. And that's one thing I think the whole world needs. Yeah. I would agree with that. Very much so. But like I said, like, I really, I definitely recommend the book. It definitely, it goes in, into much more detail about the things that we've talked about. Um, it's a very, the reason that we have kind of started the podcast with like talking, you know, we spent the first episode talking about what trauma is. We spent 
these two, you know, the second and the third episode kind of going over this because I feel like it really lays the groundwork for a lot of the the other things that we're going to talk about. And the the next episode that we do is probably going to be more off the cuff um, about a topic versus like just talking about a book or something like that. And I feel like this really laid the groundwork for us with the, with like the language, the our our perception of like what trauma is and like our our feelings towards mental health. Um, I think it really laid the groundwork for us to be able to have those conversations and have some understanding behind where we're coming from with them. Thank you all for joining us for episode three. We appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to us. We are very grateful. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Comforting the Chaos and also to join our Facebook group also entitled Comforting the Chaos where we have some discussions that coincide uh, with the podcast and some other like mental health topics and things like that. Um, Feel free to join that and Paula or I will will let you into that. Yes, we will. (laughs) So we hope you have a great two weeks until we release our next episode, episode four. Till next time. Thank you.